Welcome to the podcast of First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We are a welcoming and progressive Unitarian Universalist congregation, deeply committed to love and justice. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. bodies may be sitting, but our spirits are whooshing and dancing. I see it. Good morning. Good morning to you all, those of you with us here in the sanctuary and those joining us online. I am Kate Tucker, one of your ministers emerita, gladly serving you this summer as worship coordinator. Welcome to this worship hour, this time to be together, to remember who we are, what we hold dear, and where we hope to go as a community of covenant and of care. This is a time for feeling and strengthening the fabric of this beloved community, a liberal congregation rooted in Minneapolis for 163 years. Today, musician Franco Holder is with us, and Stephen and John making tech happen, and Dr. Glenn Thomas Rideout, and Reverend Arif and Darren Woodson are here with me. This is my last Sunday with you. It has been rich and wonderful, as in full of wonder, to spend these weeks with you and near you, and more about that later in the hour. Next Sunday is your annual Lake Harriet service, 10 a.m. at the band shell, followed by music and picnic, and you probably know this drill. Um, Check the website for details. There will be no worship here at all, so next Sunday you must head to Lake Harriet. So now let us settle ourselves and prepare to listen to beings and to things sitting comfortably aware of the space over our heads, the space around us, the whisperings, the space within us, aware of the companions seated near us, aware of our breathing, aware as we sit in these pews that the ground below is part of the homeland of Lakota, and Ojibwe and other indigenous peoples who have stewarded this land and to whom we owe deep honor, ongoing reparations, and honest storytelling about this place. And today for further settling, um, and because this metaphor will show up later in the hour, I think let's do one more time the butterfly hug 
that Resma Menachem teaches us in The Quaking of America. So um, if you remember, it's crossed hands a little, a little below the collarbone, fingers pointed more up than out, relaxing and with eyes closed or soft or however you're comfortable. Because this beautiful butterfly has landed right over our heart chakra. And now with one set of fingers, just gently pat that one side. This is the butterfly hug. Calming and reassuring in these times. And with the other set of fingers, just pat. And switch again. And switch. And as we let that butterfly rest and open our eyes and return to whatever position we were in, we will keep the butterfly there somehow. Blessed be. I'd like to share with you my very first favorite poem. Between a particularly impatient person and its conversation with a star, the words of Robert Frost. O oh, star, the fairest one in sight. We grant your loftiness the right to some obscurity of cloud. It will not do to say of night, since dark is what brings out your light. Some mystery becomes the proud, but to be wholly taciturn in your reserve is not allowed. Say something to us, we can learn by heart. And when alone, repeat. Say something. And it says, I burn. But say, with what degree of heat? Talk Fahrenheit, talk centigrade, use language we can comprehend. Tell us what elements you blend. It gives us strangely little aid, but does tell something in the end. And steadfast as Keats' Aramite, not even stooping from its sphere, it asks a little of us here. It asks of us a certain height, so when, at times, the mob is swayed to carry praise or blame too far, we may choose something like a star to stay our minds on and be stayed. We are gathered in our common voice and with our shared breath in a time of worship. 
Please join me in saying the words that we use as covenant for lighting the chalice and lighting the flame in the spirit among us. Together, let us say, love is the spirit of this church and service is its law. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. Good morning. Hello, I'm Darren. I am your president of the congregation, and welcome to be in the space. So today's story of all ages, I'm going to need your help. So there's sometimes I'm going to need you to give me some feedback. I'm going to use this right now. Are you willing to help me out? If you are, say yes. yes. Thank you. <laughs> All right, today's story is inspired by The Rabbit Listened by Corey Dewerfield. Hoping I said that last name right. Okay, so this right here, this is Taylor. One day, Taylor decided to build something. It was something new. It was something special. It was something amazing. What do you think Taylor built? Any ideas? A fort. What else? A robot. What else? A spaceship. Yes, what else? What did you say? A what? A castle? Oh my god, that's amazing. Oh, what you fix me? What did you say again? A fountain. Oh, I like that one too. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Taylor was so proud of what they built. But then, out of nowhere, something happened. What do you think happened? It broke or fell down. I know. It happened to the beautiful things Taylor built. How do you think Taylor felt now that it fell down? Sad. Sad. Any other emotions? Disappointed. Disappointed. What else? Angry. Yeah. Confused, frustrated. Yeah. We can carry all those emotions at the same time. So, Taylor was feeling all of those emotions. This chicken noticed and came over. Cluck, cluck. What a shame. I'm so sorry this happened. Let's talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about it. Cluck, cluck, said the chicken. But Taylor didn't feel like talking. So the chicken left. Up and left. So the next came a bear. Roar! Roar! How horrible! I bet you feel so angry! Shout about it! Roar! Come on, people, help me out! Shout about it! Roar! But Taylor did not feel like shouting. So the bear left. Then came an elephant. And the elephant knew what to do. Chomp-da! 
I can fix this. You just need to remember exactly the way things were. But Dandler didn't feel like remembering. So, what do you think the elephant did? Yeah, the elephant left. One by one, different animals came. Next was a hyena. <laughs> just laugh about it. Come on, everybody, just laugh about it. <laughs> Did Taylor feel like laughing? No. Then the ostrich came. Gulp. Let's just hide and pretend like nothing happened. <laughs> then the kangaroo came and said, tsk, 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 what a mess. Let's just throw it all away. And a snake, this came up and said, let's just knock down somebody else's. <laughs> but Taylor did not feel like doing anything with anybody. So eventually, they all left. Until Taylor was all alone. So in this quiet, Taylor didn't even notice a rabbit. But this rabbit noticed Taylor. And it just decided to move closer, and a little bit closer, until Taylor could feel its warm body. Together, they just sat in silence. And then finally, Taylor spoke and said, please stay with me. And the rabbit listened. The rabbit listened as Taylor talked. And the rabbit listened as Taylor shouted. And the rabbit listened as Taylor remembered and laughed and began to listen, or sorry, the rabbit listened as Taylor made plans to hide and to throw everything away and ruin things for somebody else. Through it all, the rabbit never left Taylor. And then, when the time was right, the rabbit listened as Taylor planned to build again. I can't wait, said Taylor. And it's gonna be what do you think it's gonna be? Go for it. Yeah, I see your hand, shout it out. Please, look, say a little louder, somebody help uplift his voice. Ooh, yes, yes. He is going to build a relationship and that relationship is going to be amazing and awesome. Thank you. Congregation, if you worship with us on a more or less regular basis, you know that each week we make time during our gathering for the spiritual practice of generosity, we collect our offering. 
the larger portion of which goes out the door to support organizations in the community with whose work and whose efforts we make common cause. This morning's offering goes to support Simpson Housing Services. This is an organization that we have had a long-standing relationship with. Many of you have been part of this relationship. Here's what I want you to know about today's offering. One half of this morning's offering will go to purchase supplies for First Universalist's group that prepares and serves meals at Simpson Shelter. If you are interested in being a part of this group, please email Jeff Lennox. I'm not going to read you his email address. If you need it, let me know, and he will add your name to the volunteer email list. The other half of today's offering goes to Simpson's Tools for School Fund. Our donation will be matched one-to-one -one by the Schultz Family Foundation, and the money will go to purchasing school supplies for all school-age children living in subsidized housing supported by Simpson Housing Services. So it's one of those mornings where uh, your generosity will go a little bit further thanks to this match. And so I really encourage you to be as generous as you're able. Information on how to give should be projected up on the walls to either side of me in just a moment, fingers crossed. And I invite the ushers to please come forward. settle a little more deeply into the space and sing the song with me, return again to the home of your soul. Return again, return again, return to the home of your soul. Return again, Return again, return to the home of your soul. Return to who you are, return to what you are, return to where you are, born and reborn again. Return to who you are, return to what you are, Return to where you are, born and reborn again. Return again, return again. Return to the home of your soul. Return again, return again. Return to the home of your soul. Return to who you are, return to what you are, return to where you are. 
return again, return to the home of your soul. One last time. Return again, return again, return to the home of your soul. Dear ones, to perceive to perceive a cycle, to perceive a cycle of life, whether it be seasonal, organizational, or personal, we must be present to the perceiving. Presence. Be here now. Doesn't sound that hard, does it? But we all know that it is often excruciatingly difficult. Minds and hearts flitting around like hummingbirds. But we know that this moment right here, right now, is the only place where our lives are ever actually happening. The past is already gone and the future just a fantasy that we have no control over. Countless religious traditions discovered this eons ago, before the word was the word, before the word dwelled where it dwelled, before the word was domesticated and became the language that we know today. But something of their knowing remains. Stubborn in the face of relentless forgetting is the instruction to be here now, the instruction to pay attention to our breath. The simple act of respiration, together conspiration, focuses an awareness in the now and offers an ever-present rock-solid anchor we can tether our hummingbird minds to. Small, gentle tethers. So let's come into this awareness of now. Let's conspire together. And as Thich Nhat Hanh advises, we, we note this awareness like this. Breathing in, I know that I am breathing in. Breathing out. I know that I am breathing out. Breathing in. I know that I am breathing in. Breathing out, I smile. Let this breathing together bring us into greater awareness of now. 
Let this breathing together bring us into greater awareness of the shared breath that makes us one, that we might show up on the forming edge of our lives with a few moments of shared silence. do we learn about the breath and the moment we are in when we slow down and pay attention like this? We find that often the out-breath is longer. We find that often the in-breath is quick. We find that between one movement of respiration and the next, there's often a pause. Sometimes it lingers. Sometimes it is hardly perceptible. But inhale and outhale do not flow one into the other in a continuous cycle, but are marked at either end by a pause. one that is usually longer at one point of the cycle than the other. When we arrive at this moment between movements and dwell in it fully, the before and after matter less, and we can rest in the faith that they will happen and will themselves be followed by another moment of pause. Spirit of life and love, help us to dwell fully in this space, in this moment and in the next one and in the one after that. May we learn to rest here, wherever here is, that we might more fully live this one wild and precious life that we have, dwelling fully in where we are, not where we have been nor where we are going. Heaven knows where we are going. In this space, in this moment, Holy One, help us to open our hearts and minds to what is here now. A joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness, an unexpected visitor. Help us to be grateful for whoever comes, knowing that each has been sent as a guide from beyond. As we thank Rumi for these words, let us offer out loud 
in our hearts or in the chat online, all that we would lift up in worship today, all the visitors in this guest house of our lives that we perceive as we dwell in this place right here and right now. We pray that the grip of addiction be loosened, that the weight of oppression be lightened, that truth be told, that joy break through, and that love make every suffering bearable for us all. May it be so. Amen. In my part of our two-part homily, Glenn Thomas and me, um, I offer a reading and a story in the hope that they will talk to each other. I know. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. A couple months ago, that is actually on topic. <laughs> um, a couple months ago, my dear colleague, literary minister, Reverend Karen Herring, um, published a book. Well, actually, Skinner House published the book. She had been writing and rewriting over these past five years through the many changes happening in and among us. It's a workbook of sorts for use individually and in groups. The title is Trusting Change, Finding Our Way Through Personal and Global Transformation. As she wrote, Karen's message kept getting more relevant. In my little Friday clergy group, uh, one of our long-running jokes is that when the church newsletter deadline is upon us and we still have no idea what our sermon title is, or maybe even our topic, we will name the sermon for such a time as this. <laughs> Karen's book really is for such a time as this. In it, she employs 
the metaphor of caterpillar to butterfly in all its messy, mind-blowing complexity and as it applies to our lives. The book is divided into three sections, the no longer, the pause, and the not yet. The no longer, the pause, and the not yet. And here we're not trusting just any kind of change. We're trusting the powers of life-giving transformation that ask us to recognize the no longer, embrace the pause, and wait expectantly in trust for the not yet. Here's a reading from the book's introduction describing what happens to that caterpillar inside that chrysalis. She writes, wide and curvaceous, taut and smooth, the chrysalis is camouflaged to hide the busy workshop inside where already the old is dissolving. Protected by the chrysalis, the caterpillar digests itself, releasing enzymes that break down all shape and form. It becomes a thick soup cooking up something new. Only a few parts of the caterpillar will not be consumed. A set of highly organized cells embedded from the beginning that contain everything needed for the changes that lie ahead. These are the imaginal disks. Imaginal disks. Imagine. The imaginal disks have been there all along, designed to awaken in this breakdown and bring new shapes to the chaos, wing and eye and curled antenna. Like reverse fossils from the future, they are coded for metamorphosis or emergence when all else has been dissolved and lost. But before they take on form, they begin with a thrumming, vibrating at frequencies unknown in the old caterpillar. The imaginal disks multiply and cluster according to like resonance, communicating with each other until they grow into shared knowledge of how to be something new. One cluster becomes an eye, another a wing, another a leg, each tailored to the butterfly's needs. They link to one another their own development depending on the others, and in that interdependence, they become whole. They become a new organism unlike anything that preceded, fantastically designed for flight and migration across multiple generations for survival across distance and season. Can you feel it? The humming in the story that calls to each of us now, she writes. Are you sensing the ancient rhythms resounding in the between? Old instructions for new arrangements beckoning us to ask, who are we becoming? In the chaos of great change, what imaginal possibilities are waiting to awaken in you, in me, in us, in the world? End of quote. And then this story comes from an event, an ancestral event, last December, the 21st solstice. Some of you were here. It was the memorial service for your minister emeritus, the Reverend John Cummins, who served you from the 1960s through most of the 80s. Who knew him as minister? Hmm. Yes, 
At that memorial, we remembered together how John told us about a time, he was maybe only 25, long before he came here. He said it was around 1950, he visited the Charles Street Meeting House in Boston, Universalist. The Universalists had gutted the old sanctuary and renovated the whole thing to reflect a new self-understanding. The pews were set facing inward toward a center point. On one high interior wall, there was a massive 25-foot mural of the Andromeda galaxy, the spiraling nebula with its trillion stars. And hanging across from that mural on the opposite wall was an artist's depiction of an atom, an image of a galaxy of essential energy too small for our eyes. Two images of infinite space, John said, macrocosm and microcosm. He said, universalists, we universalists were no longer sailing the seas as in John Murray's days. Now we were contemplating the seas of space beyond and the infinities within. This should fill us, John said, not only with wonder, but also with wondering about our human role. Who are we? And who can we be? When the Reverend Jen Crow invited me to help coordinate 10 worship services this summer, there were some things I knew and some things I didn't. I knew how readily and how steadily my heart said yes to Jen's invitation. My yes was about wanting to support my colleagues, of course, and also a recognition of how, how deeply you are connected to my soul. I knew I'd have a lot to learn 10 years since retirement, not just taking on Google Docs <laughs> and training myself to walk down the south stairs to staff offices instead of up as in days of yore, and navigating with you this weird, wobbly time between COVID and maybe COVID, and do we hug or bow or fist bump in the greeting line? And I knew I would be collaborating with new staff folks in new ways, all the while aware that at summer's end, Glenn Thomas, your director of worship arts ministries, would begin with you a new creative chapter. And who knows what kinds of humming will fill this space. I knew your staff had named a summer theme which was called The Bigger Story, and I knew I would be working with, and in some cases meeting for the first time, our summer preachers and storytellers, serious, passionate students of this religious heritage we call Unitarian Universalism, our living, our alive tradition. I knew and have witnessed your robust commitment to recognizing and rejecting racism. And I knew that for you, Congregation of First Universalist Church, the year ahead would be a time of taking stock, of looking around, looking within, revisiting goals, recasting your vision. All summer, I could hear Rumi whispering, sell your cleverness and buy bewilderment. 
sell your cleverness and buy bewilderment. And I could hear that line, who said it, that goes, prayer is not asking for what we think we want, but asking to be changed in ways we can't imagine. And what a stance of trust, trusting change, that is. That was what I knew when I came on board, but here's what I couldn't have known. I couldn't have known how beautifully our preachers and storytellers, Meg, Andrea, Nico, Lauren, Malia, Jill, Kathy, Marian, Emma, Zoe, Arif, Satya, Darren, would deepen and illuminate our bigger story theme. And along the way, reawaken in me a kind of wonder at our universalist story, the audacity, the chutzpah of universalists through the centuries to draw the circle as wide as we have, saying everybody in, even in these divided, contentious times. What a wild bunch we are, really. I didn't know that this summer would bring us both the stunning NASA telescopic images of the universe and the overturning of Roe versus Wade, or that the macro vision of space alongside the micro debate about fetal cells dividing would for me bring back young, uh, young, young John Cummins sitting in the Boston church with the spiraling nebula on one wall and the artist's giant atom on the other, and John's questions, who are we? Who can we be? I couldn't have known how often this summer in here I would sense the whisper, the thrum, the of the ancestors' breath and the ancestors' voices. Return again, return again, return to the home of your soul. Return to who you are, what you are, where you are, born and reborn again. We sing it, don't we? That's it, born and reborn again. And in between the born and reborn, the chrysalis, the pause. And I wonder if those questions who are we and who can we be, can be like imaginal cells in our collective organism, coded for metamorphosis, able to fit us for flight and migration across multiple generations, if we're able to return to them often and give them space and time. In one of our first conversations, I asked Glenn Thomas, what's something that's deeply true about you? And he said, one thing is my capacity to wait past the point where it's comfortable. What a gift. It's like that expectant waiting the Quakers speak of, waiting sometimes, often, past comfort for the Spirit's signals, waiting for a way to open. Being the rabbit who listens, but with that inner ear. Waiting in hope, because the stillness of the chrysalis only looks like stillness from the outside. Inside, it's a workshop 
It's a womb. It's the most pregnant pause between the no longer and the not yet. Here are a few more words from the book Trusting Change. To pause is to wait, to dwell, to linger, ceasing our efforts to control future outcomes based on what we've known in the past. It is a lifted foot in the march of time that might come down in an entirely new direction. The pause is fermata in melody, lacuna in botany, hiatus in history, each a stoppage that is not final but fertile, an opening towards something new, a participation in the mysteries of what might yet be but is not now known. There was a moment when all the music stopped. A sudden happening of ear-opening silence when all we knew was how dangerous our own breaths had become right under our noses until God knows when. Lucille Clifton wrote, poetry began when somebody walked off a savanna or out of a cave and looked up at the sky and said, ah, that was the first poem. The concept was laughable to me to think of a threshold choir as a threat, a brass quintet blowing a life to dust, but there it was. I laughed, of course, out of shock the way you enact a joyful noise to scare your own fright away, overdone, fooling no one. I remember watching the Zoom meeting with my eyes wide where the announcement came from the American Choral Directors Association that canceled every concert for at least a year. And all our plans came to vanish into the silent ocean we didn't even know was there the day before, whose other shore we were mostly too frozen to see. When I was sinking down, sinking down, sinking down, 
When I was sinking down, sinking down, when I was sinking down beneath my sorrow's crown, friends to me gathered round, oh my soul, oh my soul, friends to me gathered round, oh my soul. The Shaker Hymn. I remember being afraid for my job. I remember being afraid for every single one of my colleagues' jobs and for our art and for our communities. A thought flashed into my mind of playing a Zoom service or I tried to imagine a world of YouTube church services and my eyes rolled in reverse as if they were being read by a player piano. I know. <laughs> I drove through the tumbleweed-ready highway, curious to catch a glimpse of downtown Detroit on one of those days when you really weren't supposed to drive anywhere. Nothing quite prepares you for motor city silence. It occurs to me how silly it felt to have always been thinking of cars as essential. Yet I recall how audible my gasp at the sight of General Motors headquarters and the intersection absent the soundtrack of usual vrooms and vulgarities. There was always a river behind GM Tower, yet only in the silence could I pause to hear it rush and feel my heartbeat catch its rhythm. God is when you hear the river and suddenly discover how much of it is part of you. All right, that one was me. <laughs> when reduced past its usefulness, the practice of Unitarian Universalism gives us over to a mere love, infatuation of the sound of our own voices. Music can intoxicate us this way too. So does America. It's no surprise then that American Unitarian Universalists are quick to tell stories of resilience. The music we made anyway, the tech we learned, the groups we formed, the new community, the courage, the flexibility, the how the singing never stopped. 30 spokes share the wheels hub. It is the center hole that makes it useful. Shape clay into a vessel. It is the space within that makes it useful. Cut doors and windows for a room. It is the holes which make it useful. Therefore, profit comes from what is there. Usefulness from what is not there. The Tao Te Ching. Sometimes love takes the shape 
of a covered mouth. A pause to be careful with air. A filter for our noise, a step back. Sure, there is plenty of good available to those of us who will lift our voices for the work of love and speak truth to power, but in our haste to see the change, to ring freedom, to shout down oppression's walls, to tell a story that gives hope and turn the page of history, we can forget sometimes that there is a pause at the turning point where there is no sound save that of the page itself. If we can keep hold of the long moment that we were unsure and afraid before we got courageous and brave and resilient, creative, if we can practice a little humility to keep the tenderness in our hearts, we might be able to see that our ability to stay quiet and get creative will almost always win over our ability to be loud and right. We might offer each other enough mercy and enough time to grieve and lament, to gasp in the broken places to confess without thrashing guilt, to inhale the truth without coughing up despair. We might recognize the true value of community organization, preparation, and reflection, and rest in the work of love. If these past years apart have meant to teach us anything, it's this. Sometimes what it means to love is to step back, to sit still, to cover our mouths. No movement begins well without a good breath. We hear very little unless we know ourselves what to do with the silence. The rest is half the revolution. What wondrous love is this, O oh my soul, O oh my soul? What wondrous love is this, O oh my soul? What wondrous love is this that gives my heart such bliss and takes away the pain of my soul, of my soul? and takes away the pain of my soul. The conductor of the 20th century, Arturo Toscanini, was known to berate the NBC radio orchestra. And he would scream aphorisms of truth. One that I offer you as we prepare for some moments of pause before heading into the next moment. The quotation was, we paint on a canvas of silence. And they had to forgive him because it was that true. 
even though he was yelling, which is something that happens with yelling sometimes. Pause with me. Silence is merely the absence of intentional adult talking. The rest is a symphony from the divine. Listen to what is there. Hear what is not there. Together, marvel with me at the miracle of so many mouths holding silence to hold each other. I'll watch the clock. Open my heart to all that I seek. Let me be part of the love you give. Open my heart to all that I seek. Let me be part of the love you give. Open my heart to all that I seek. Let me be part of the love you give. Open my heart to all that I seek. Let me be part of the love you Listen more often to things than to be.
voice is heard Tis the ancestor's breath In the voice of the waters Sa Friends, we have taken some moments of our day to breathe as one, a literal conspiracy of our hearts. Let us go into this day that we did not create ourselves with a gratitude we cannot even fathom. Let us imagine ourselves into the next moments. And let's take joy in the great pause there. Listen to things, more things than beings. Listen to the laugh. Listen to the cry. Listen to the sounds of our voices and the silence between our opinions. May you be blessed with a miracle you cannot even imagine yet and a couple that you don't even believe in yet. Go into the world with love in your heart. Go with joy on your mind. Go with justice in the very soles of your feet. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We are a welcoming community that finds strength in the diversity of identities of all who find inspiration and comfort here. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting our ministry. Text FIRSTUNIV, that's F-I-R-S-T-U-N-I-V, to 73256 to make your gift. If you are able to join us in person for Sunday worship, we'd love to see you in church. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.